0: what's up y'all welcome to the ride share rodeo uber lyft driver and gig economy news sponsored by curry.com with para.com uber com. i'm your host sj it's time to get it on What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of Ride Share Rodeo. Um, you're going to have to bear with me just a little bit here in the intro piece. I actually had a little bit of a asthma situation this week, and I don't know, it might have been kind of combined with some allergies or something, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, kind of uh, affected my breathing, and uh, I had to even work myself <laughs> up to being able to do this, so... Luckily for this week, I already had the interview recorded, so um, that's not going to take away uh, – I'm not going to be breathing weird through the whole interview. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm kind of – it's still a little gasping, but it's it's better for sure. Anyway, this week um, – well, let me talk about later in the week first. Uh, Thursday is a YouTube live on Rideshare Rodeo Channel on YouTube, uh, Rideshare Lisa and I will be doing a a live stream. And, uh, well, just join us for that. And on Saturday, I will be recording um, a podcast with Roy Will Be Roy, a.k.a. Roy Will Be Toxic, on uh, YouTube. But we're going to do that one... Um, privately, and then I'll put it up as a premiere when the next week, when the podcast launches. I think it'll be next week. Um, but for this week, let's let's jump into the piece, and I'll come back on the other side. Oh, wait, before I do, though, uh, this Wednesday, the 15th, is the 100th episode of the Gig Economy Podcast. That's our sister- podcast company. Jason Thierry runs that show. Um him and Jesper do it and they have special guests and stuff. Um this week is going to have a bunch of special guests and uh luckily I'm one of them. I feel very honored that Jason is, has asked me to do this. Um 100 episodes is a big uh, milestone, especially his podcast comes out every other Wednesday. It's not a weekly show. It's a it's a um, It's two times a month. It's every other Wednesday. So if you do the math on 100, it's going to be, you know, this is about exactly three years. So anyway, um, please join us over there. You can find Gig Economy Podcasts on every platform, just like you can find Rideshare Rodeo on every platform. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, any of the other ones you might use. Um, But anyway, uh, I'll put links in the show notes. But for today, I am going to bring on a rideshare driver in Portland, and we're going to talk about some rideshare safety. Well, it's not necessarily like safety tips; it's more of his story of what's happened over the past several months, um, going back into the uh, the earlier days of the riots in Portland, and so we're gonna we're gonna get into that today. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into that. I'll be back on the other side. So today I have Tim Carter. He is a driver in the Portland uh, area, the Portland, Oregon metropolitan area doing rideshare. I think rideshare specifically. Um, Tim, thank you for coming on, first of all.
1: Steve, I can't thank you enough. I've been following your uh, your podcast for some time. Um, and it's, uh, I, w- I started out trying to find advice on mostly YouTube. And then once I started punching the word podcast into iTunes search engines for for podcasts, then I came across you. And uh, I appreciate you propelling uh, information about the gig economy as well as you do.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I do try and take a different approach than most. Um, I do try and Obviously, I represent the drivers first and foremost that's my that's my thing you know I'm one of you guys and I get it and I know what we go through and I am not afraid to help people stand up and say their stories and and put the truth out there you know it's i mean these companies need to hear these stories too because as you might hear in this piece even you might hear some pieces where these these companies did hear these stories what have they done about it? You know, we need to find a, a, a place where they care enough to do something and not just not just give us lip service, you know what I mean? Um, or an extra five bucks for our troubles. Absolutely. You know, that's the kind of crap that makes me go nuts. Like, I don't need your five bucks. Why do you think I took 40 minutes out of my day to make this call? You know, I've been on weight. Obviously, I could have just dropped this and said, forget it. I'm just going to move on. But obviously, that's a big enough thing to me, and five dollars doesn't fix the situation at all. Ten dollars doesn't twenty dollars doesn't and in many cases a thousand five thousand doesn't
1: well and one of the reasons why I reached out to you specifically is because I've heard you mention that you were a an independent contractor in your previous life, and i I was as well before I got into gig work, I was a subcontractor licensed and bonded in the state of oregon city of Portland as a um a window coverings installer, so I installed, measured, and troubleshooted. Uh, you know, blind shades, and draperies for companies like Home Depot, Lowe's, Costco. And uh, when I entered the gig economy, uh, and I was um, issued the moniker of independent contractor, I was kind of taken aback by the the absolute disconnect from being. An actual independent contractor as to what was being defined in the gig economy. So, um, and I don't need to tell you. It's like, you know, if um, there were situations where if if somebody had hired a plumber to fix a sink, and then um, somebody pulled up, that person pulled up to the driveway, and then you just texted them and said, "Well." Another person has uh, come here to fix my sink and they're doing it, Uh, but we don't need to give you any information about that. Your job is canceled. That's kind of one of the areas where I started to start having different thoughts about the gay economy. And then um, I could kind of let that go uh, until it came to issues concerning my safety. And those issues came under the microscope for me uh in portland oregon in the year 2020 um during the um during the turbulent year that we had here and i had several incidents with uh concerning rideshare um rideshare specifically this isn't delivery this is picking up and delivering people and uh, i had some issues uh, with about six or seven different stories that I hope to share with you and uh, and your audience, and tell you um, how the platforms dealt with me in regard to these difficulties.
0: So that's yeah. I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that you know. I think a lot of us need to hear. Even so, to the listeners, even I haven't heard a lot of what Tim and I are going to discuss yet. He's given me a little bit of an overview beforehand, but. I don't know these specifics. So um, we will just roll through these. And, um, you know, I I think that I I honestly think that uh, it's good that we're hearing from you too, because I'm interested because this is even more interested because this is the Portland market and all of us have been hearing about Portland for, you know, two years now or whatever it's been almost coming up on two years, you know, four months short. And it's constantly. So we know that Portland is a city and maybe not, maybe you're going to correct me on this, uh, of of either unrest or it's become a, a, a commune of, of a place for uh, people to go and feel like they're part of move different movements that are going on there and has maybe brought too many crazies into the into the scene and i know portland's always been a very i've been up there a bunch of times i think that portland's a great city i know it's always been very friendly to all types and lifestyles you know what i mean like skaters to this to that to the other to the other to and there and that's kind of what i always loved about portland now i feel like it's an extreme that has kind of backfired
1: and people maybe took advantage of that even a little bit um well i don't think that i mean the reason i'm coming on your podcast isn't as an indictment of Portland, Oregon? No, um, no. I
0: just think that it's played a role in some of the the way people feel
1: in the city. Sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've lived here forty six years, and I I'll be the first to admit that our leadership has been pretty clumsy. Um, but the the these issues. Uh, that I'm about to bring up are, are pretty rideshare specific, and when I listen to other stories and when I look at other news feeds from around the internet, and I see the same things happening in cities like Chicago or um, you know Florida, for instance, I I kind of have to wonder if we can do more as a rideshare community to to protect the driver. I think you're right in that Portland is um, is a ripe atmosphere. For a testing ground of maybe some of the the rules and regulations that need to be in, implemented in rideshare, but I, I this isn't an indictment of, of Portland, Oregon itself, and also oh, it's, the
0: things the things
1: the, the things that uh, I'm I'm about to say. I also want to say that this isn't a true indictment of Uber and and Lyft. Be because it's um, some of these things are areas I, I found myself in areas where a lot of drivers will say and push back on um, they'll, they'll say, well, you, you know, A good rideshare driver would not, a good cabbie, a good anything, they wouldn't find themselves in those situations. So these are situations where I have done my best when communicating with law enforcement, with public uh, resources, with radio stations, and with other people across the internet in the Portland area to try to keep myself out of harm's way as a full-time rideshare driver in the year 2020.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. So I think one thing we should touch on before you even start is how when you did onboard first. How long you've been doing yeah. this?
1: Yeah. So uh my first move into the gig economy was with Lyft in late 2018. Um, and then I decided to get out of subcontracting as a as a whole. And uh I just kind of decided I didn't want a boss anymore, but I kind of wanted a boss, but you know, you know how it is. And so I was like, well, let me I I, uh, I, I met a young lady, I guess I'll say this. So it's a true story. I met a young lady who was uh, selling Hyundai cars. And in 2019, I, I uh, bought a new Hyundai because I was uh, in love with this lady's uh, pretty face. And uh, I fell, I succumbed to her charms and I bought a new Hyundai Elantra. And so, After all that collapsed, I decided I would go into the gig work full-time and I onboarded with Uber. So um, I, let's see, about March or April of 2019, I started doing gig work, uh, doing rideshare, I guess, about 10 to 15 hours a week. And then towards the end of 2019, um, I found myself in a situation as the onset of the pandemic came. Um, where I needed to rely on uh, rideshare full time, and that's kind of where my story begins in terms of what I experienced on the platforms,
0: okay, um fair enough. so I guess let's i mean, you probably have some sort of order. I don't know if it's chronological or what, yeah, but let's let's kind of jump into where those issues started happening and what was the the surrounding circumstances of them.
1: Sure. So let's start in 2019. Um, so this is pre pandemic clearly, and Portland is kind of on the up and coming radar of the nation. And, and we get a lot of people coming in, a lot of tourists, especially from the Bay area, a lot of people coming in, wanting to buy up, you know, lands, wanting to move here and everything. And so 20, the summer of 2019 was uh, pretty intimidating, um, in terms of the influx of people that were using rideshare and then all of a sudden um, about the first of 2020 when the the pandemic started happening then that just there was like this week i remember when my governor uh governor kate brown i remember when she announced that there was going to be a four-week um halt of everything and then i just remember i went from going from 200 to 250 dollars a day to I was waiting something like two hours for a ride unless I went to the airport, in which case there was at at the uh, onset of the pandemic, there was something like 180 to 200 people in the airport queue. When on average pre pandemic, it was, you know, 70 to 80 people. And um, so uh, at first I kind of panicked. And then after about a week, I started watching as uh, other people on the internet started, like there were sprouts. You could see people in other markets that were saying, hey, um, people are um, kind of coming out of the woodwork. People don't really believe what's going on. So I'm making a lot of money doing RightShare. So I went all in. And um, lo and behold, after the first week uh, of, of the shutdown, I was making like $400 a day on a Tuesday it was unbelievable. And then um, the George Floyd thing happened. Uh, And Portland is known for, you know, a pretty progressive market. And we kind of, you know, we'll riot for pretty much no reason. Um, And that, sort of came to, um, I want to put this delicately. It just kind of seemed to start adversely affecting me. And so I want to start there with story one, um, and, and also say that again, I realized that I could have probably done a lot better when it came to positioning myself, knowing my city after 46 years, I, 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 you know, I could have done better, but at the same time, it's, um, I think that these platforms can do better too. So I just want to start with story one. The the first day of the riots in Portland, Oregon, I got up early. I'm an early morning guy. I traditionally don't like to drive the night shift um, because I'm fairly introverted. I'm sure as you can probably tell, like I'm not looking at the camera. But um, so my first ping was right about five a.m. and it said heading northeast. And it's coming out of downtown. Nothing unusual. So I figured this is a pickup downtown. We're going to the airport. And uh, I go downtown. I arrive on time. I pull up right up alongside Broadway. And there are two relatively normal looking people standing there a man and a woman, not intimidating at all. And I figured okay these people are going to the airport they've got bags with them and whatever so upon loading the bags into my trunk i noticed that all of these bags were filled with brand new towels and dishes and a bunch of stuff that was still in what you would call like brand new retail um, condition and i was like wow that's kind of weird so i took them It wasn't to the airport. I took them over into Northeast Portland. I dispatched them, and then I got another ping back downtown, again, heading in the same direction. I go, okay, well, shake it off, and same thing. When I got there, it was the same thing, and it was a guy standing there, an unassuming looking man holding like garbage bags full of stuff. I thought, all right, this is getting kind of weird. And, um, so I took him to, to his destination and then I got another ping downtown. Now this is where everything started to make sense. Um, a young lady got into my car and she said to me, Hey, have you been driving all night? I said, no, I just started. And she goes, did you know that they broke into, they smashed open all the windows and stuff of uh, pioneer place mall and the target. And, um, there's a bunch of decimated buildings downtown. And, um, People have been looting all night. I said, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. So this young lady was just going to work. And so when I dispatched her, um, I I turned the app off and I went back downtown. I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to continue my day. And I saw a police officer. um, And so I went and I bothered him. And I said, hey... um, I introduced myself and um, I said, hey, I I told him exactly the same story that I just told you. And um, the police officer didn't even say hello. He said, is that a dash camera? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, okay, you need to go to this address right now. And he wrote an address down, which was about 13 miles south, I-5 in the city called Tualatin. And he goes, you need to go give all of your footage from that dash camera. Uh, to these people right now. And I said, okay, do you mind if I ask why? He goes, I do mind. Go. So I went to Tualatin and I gave, I took out this tiny little um, card out of my dash camera, my Vantru Pro, which I'm sure some of you are aware of. Yeah. And uh, I handed it to the young lady across the counter. She put it into a laptop. Twenty minutes later, she said thank you, and I tried to ask her questions. She wouldn't have any of it, and uh, I was back to work. And so, I um, I called.
0: Can, can I ask? Did you feel threatened? Yeah. Like did he did he look at your plate and write it down when he told you to go there? Did he do anything that made you feel like oh crap he's got my info and I had never been in that situation before, so I wasn't, I wasn't. Yeah. I was noticing. just wondering if it went beyond even, and he was like writing your plate down and going, I need you to go here. And now you're feeling like, oh gosh, he's got my plate. I don't know what this is about. Or if it was, just, I'm sure he did. You we're just trying to but, do your best, like your civil duty.
1: Yeah. Help and so, I mean, you know,
0: this stuff's going on, but okay.
1: I'm nervous. And so I don't, I didn't know. I went to bed the previous evening at like seven or eight p m expecting to get up like any other day go downtown and pick up some airport runs, which is what i what it seemed to be on the app and um so to experience all this I'm still you know I didn't know i still it's not like I listen to news radio while I'm in the car I'm usually listening to a podcast or something um so it wasn't I wasn't aware of what was going on and this is right after the George floyd thing and um so I just kind of did exactly what he said, but I knew from the young lady that I had dispatched earlier that uh, what was going on. So I just complied, and um, after that, i um, i I wrote to to I think it was Lyft that I was doing the rides for that day, and I said, "Hey, all of this has happened to me. I just kind of wanted to let you know um, in case you know anything comes up in terms of." um an, an inquiry or whatever. And um I didn't get a reply back from Lyft. And that kind of gave me pause. So I wrote them again and I said, hey, this is what's happened to me. And I recanted the whole story exactly like I told it to you. And again I didn't get a reply. Um and I don't think that it's their responsibility to reply, but at the same time I think that it's their responsibility to at least acknowledge that one of their contractors is uh going through something like that, because I can't imagine that even with thousands of rides that they probably deal with every day, that that particular situation is normal. Mm-hmm. So um, then um, later uh, in the year, there was a guy that I picked up at, um, at a place downtown and the ride was hailed for him by a third party. And I was taking him to a hotel because a riot was um, slated to take place. And so um, this was super early. This was like 3 to 4 a.m. And um, I took the guy over to an area called Clackamas with, uh, to a hotel. And then um, he said that he had a reservation there. And um, it, he came out of the, the hotel opened my trunk, put a bunch of his belongings back in and said, well, we need to go to the hotel across the street. So I didn't really think anything of it. Maybe he um, just got the address wrong or whatever. So he went over to the across the street and uh, that hotel apparently turned him down as well. So now this guy starts getting uh, hostile with me because I'm telling him, look, um, it seems like we're two for two here. You kind of need to tell me exactly what's going on because uh, the ride isn't going to, my insurance is going to cover this ride unless we actually have a destination. And so this guy got hostile and uh, started slamming the luggage cart into my car, started um, calling me all kinds of racist names uh, and started uh, basically kind of wanting to fight me, I guess, or whatever. And so once I was able to get this person's belongings out of my car and my trunk closed, I backed into a Chevron gas station and this person came around to the front of my car and would not let me leave. And um, uh, uh, it's kind of weird to remember, but he um, he was on the phone with somebody and wouldn't let me proceed out of the parking lot back onto highway 212 to get out of there. And I'm on the phone with Lyft at that time. And I'm telling them exactly what's going on. And I have my dash camera right on the guy. He's standing right in front of my car. And so um, the uh, the guy, I, uh, some police start to come from the opposite direction of Highway 212, and um, they weren't engaging with my situation, but they were going someplace else. This must have intimidated this guy. The guy gets out of the way. I leave. That was in January of uh, of this year. So in May of this year, after having documented that in everything that I just told you, after documenting all that with Lyft everything that I went through. I get a call in May saying that this person, the same person recounting the same story has uh, filed a discrimination complaint against me and that I'm temporarily banned from the platform um, until I can essentially apologize for what I did. They wanted me, and I have audio Of this phone call Uh, they wanted me to say what they wanted me to say uh, in order to reactivate my account so in, in that regard i kind of had to call into question whether or not i was an independent contractor or not um so that was my story of picking up somebody that was displaced by the riots um these next stories, I'm just going to go in faster order. They don't require much more detail. Um, number three, um, I was, I decided to start driving later in the evening um, to maybe, I don't know. I don't know why, but anyway, I started driving later in the evening. So, about midnight one night, I was called out to the airport. So, I'm called out to the airport. So, that to- seems like a totally safe pickup to me. It's not downtown, there's no fires, nobody's lighting the airport on fire. So, I go to the airport and I am met at the hotel just outside the airport with two large men with shields, helmets and batons outside in like I, i'm sure you've all been there if you've driven rideshare you go to a hotel and there's like the circle pickup you go in one way and you come out of the next and yeah. so i'm right there i'm pulling in and i'm right there at the door and the, the doors slide open and here come these people and um i told them i said look i know what's going on i know where you're headed I, I." don't want any trouble. I can't take the ride. So these guys say, well, you can comply or we're going to say that the car smells like alcohol. And I said, look, you can kind of say what you want. And then the um, another person comes out of the hotel dressed in a suit and says, are you taking this ride or not? And I never got... I don't know who this person is. He was like, I don't know, probably about six foot tall, heavy set guy. And um, he was like, are you taking this ride or not? And I said, I can't take this ride. And he goes, well, you better take this ride. And I said, says who? And he he says, you better take this ride. And he just kept like staring me down. And um, at that point, one of the people that were in the helmet, the black block or whatever you want to call it, circles around to the passenger side, gets in my passenger side, rear and so now they're in the car and so i just get in the car and i took them downtown and uh, i was able to negotiate with them during the ride i said look i can't take you all the way downtown because i don't know what's going on down there but here's what i'll do i'm going to take you to powell's bookstore which is on 12th and burnside it's about a four block mile to where uh, four four block walk to about where the action that i know is happening and it seems like you guys are looking for action." they didn't acknowledge one way or the other as to whether or not they heard me. They just had their headphones in. I dropped them off the Powell's books and we left. And so I called, that was an Uber trip. And so I called Uber afterwards and I said, hey, I was kind of harassed and threatened and intimidated by these guys. Um, also, I gave them the name of the hotel that I picked them up at and um, and I told them exactly what happened. And um, again, I... I got this from them. They actually did reply. And, um, but it was one of those scripted responses where it's like, Hey, we understand that you have experienced this and uh, you know, we're sorry, not, not every ride is going to be as exemplary as the next or whatever. And so, you know, Hey, let us know if you need any kind of help. And also here's a link for, you know, if you need to, uh, you know, review any of the terms of service and all this so i i kind of drove away from that one and um that leads me to uh another another story of january of this past year where a guy that i picked up from um i pulled up to third avenue and this guy gets in my car um and I can tell that there's action going on further up the way, but it's so a when good. When
0: you keep referring to action, and you and you're talking about these people, are you? I know you can't say for certain, but are are you kind of? Is your best guess that they were part of the rioting? And that it's they no were secret, headed, and that yeah. they were headed down there to be part of it.
1: It's no secret that, I mean, right in the middle of downtown at about fourth that i mean that's where the justice center is and so the justice center is sort of the the apex of where every you know everybody wants to go there light the place on fire and whatever and so that's the nights that i drove when i was driving evenings that was the area that i was trying to avoid and later of course the riots would span out into further areas even beyond downtown which we'll get into but um this guy uh, in January that I picked up, I picked him up on third and it was about four blocks West of where the justice center was. So, um, which is about as close as I would want to get. And, um, so he, and this was, this became a sort of, I think it's important to tell this, this became a sort of, um, the move, if you were going to catch an Uber or Lyft, and if you are a protester or a rioter or however you want to say it, um, is to when you're done doing whatever it is that you're down there to do, you would then uh, put your pickup point just outside the riot, of course, because you, it, all of us started to become critically aware of what was going on. So it was hard to get a ride and um so i pick this guy up i'm taking him to milwaukee which is actually uh close to where i live and uh i'm he begins to uh say a lot of super vile things about you know what he wants to do to my mother, and what he hopes happens to my sister, and just blah 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 blah. He's constantly, and then I I I asked him. I said, "Where is this coming from?" And he goes, "I want to thank you for your service." And I said, "I'm not sure what you mean." And he goes, "Well, he goes, uh, I can tell by your your haircut that you're probably into some you're probably into some military stuff, or you're you're probably a cop." And this whole thing starts to develop inside the car, and I said, "Sir." You've misread me. I don't know what's going on. I'm just giving you a ride to where you need to be. Um, I'm going to have to drop you off right here. So I pulled over onto Southeast Washington Street in Milwaukee, and I let him I let him out, and he won't get out of the car. And he goes, his words to me were, uh, you've messed with the wrong millennial. He didn't use, he used a lot stronger language than that. Um, and I was like, okay. And the guy won't get out of my car. And I said, look, I, I just need you to get out of my car. Or I'm, I'm going to call the police. And so I dialed 911. I, my, As you're looking at me, uh, my phone is like right here. And so I just dialed 911 on the dashboard. And he saw that. And he's bad-mouthing me the whole time. He's chirping in my ear while the 911 operator, I'm trying to give her details as to what's going on. And um, so finally... Uh, the Milwaukee police department in Milwaukee, Oregon, I'm just going to say this out loud. They're, they're, uh, they're pretty aggressive. And so it it was within a matter of seconds. Like there's like four SUVs around me and this guy takes off running. And uh, I filed a police report with the police. And um, this person has, uh, has, has a record. Uh, They had known about this guy before. And, so i called uber this was an uber ride i gave them the the police uh, report number i told them everything that went down and not only that but um just days before the incident i had completed the rainn or rain um six part series um that uber has you watch uh in terms of you know how to which
0: by the way folks you don't even have to watch it i mean i i I mean you should or whatever but like you can hit play and walk out of the room on these videos it does not matter they just need to see they were played through your account it's absolutely pathetic
1: yeah i mean you're right you don't have to watch it but What I learned from watching it is that in episode three, it says verbatim, and it even gives you the closed caption at the bottom. It says, if you're under threat for any reason um, during a ride, you can dispatch a customer and cancel the ride without penalty, emphasis on without penalty. So um, I gave Uber the whole spiel. Just like I told you, I gave them the police report number. And of course this guy gets to one star me, which I know a lot of drivers will push back. Well, ratings don't mean anything. Ratings don't, you don't cash out ratings. I get that too. But um, but um, at the end of the day, it is kind of a punitive sort of psychological game that they play. And I don't like that you somebody can do that to me inside of my vehicle, inside of my property, when I'm lending that time to Uber that they're paying me for. And I get penalized for it when I have to literally sign away all rights to mediation before I even log into the app for the first time. I don't dig that. So if Rain is going to tell me that you know I can do this, I can get rid of this aggressive person that I need the police to get rid of and this guy gets to uh brandish me with one star i i i think that there should be some sort of mediation levied to to get rid of that the after effect of this was that uber called me a couple of days later and it was a person that was not if if you're an uber driver you've dealt with uber support and you know that these are are people uh you know, they're they're either from the Philippines or they're from Colombia or whatever, and they're just kind of doing their job. It's an outsourced call center. This right. person both, was not from
0: first that. and second tier these days are. So I mean, right. even the second tiers aren't handled here
1: directly. So it's it's really sad. Right. So um this person was not from a call center. This person um was very clearly presented himself very professionally and articulately, and however, the first thing he did was reference me to a sexual assault unit to Uber. There was nothing sexual that went on with this interaction, um, and so when I tr- I recanted the story back to this person, and I I told him exactly what happened, and he and he just he started stumbling a little bit and then he started kind of falling back on scripts. And so I kind of had to stop him and I said, Hey, and I t- told him just like I told you a moment ago, I I took these rain videos and it says in video number three, blah, 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 without penalty. And I've been issued a one star and I was, I've been threatened with assault to the point where I had to involve police. What can I do to get this um, taken care of and getting taken off my record? And all he said was, we completely understand. Why wouldn't you feel that way after watching something like that? After we told you, and this is the words that he used, after we told you that uh, you could do this without penalty, you've now been issued the penalty. How you know, kind of like, how dare us? And they, he never once. He just continued to dance around the 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 issue until I was willing to give up. And um, I don't know. I felt. I that wonder trouble. if
0: the sexual assault part portion of this is just because you were relating it to rain, and he wasn't hearing the story quite correct. And he's like, "Rain,
1: that's our rape thing." And well, but that he the rain. I brought up rain after he was done talking. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm just wondering what
0: keyword was in there that shot him off to that because I have numbers in my phone that most people don't have. I have uber critical response direct. I'm on with them in one minute if I need to. Like Under any circumstances, that's what I'm using. I'm not going to go through a rain video or through customer service or first or second tier. I'm calling that. I I used to call that when when they'd shortchange me 10 bucks or some kind of
1: monetary issue. I'd call it critical response. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know if it's, maybe our markets are different, but I was required to take the, I had to complete the rain, the six videos of rain or else I was given a time. Right. But
0: you just have to watch them on your, in the app, right?
1: Right. I, I was given like a, I think it was a 60 or 90 day time, time frame where I kind of had to watch it or else I could not perform on Uber. Right. So if, if that's the case. I've had to then, do
0: that before too. So.
1: Yeah, so I mean, why not why not live up to what you're outlining on what you're making me watch, you know what I mean? Well,
0: there's also another issue there, which is um something you
1: and I Employee.
0: touched on, yes, is that you know, they Uber doesn't even provide you a training video when you first sign up. You get your background check done in 2 minutes by checker who does a horrible job. Um, you know, we were even talking in some comments recently about how I had Gary Middleton in a comment thread going, "Man, I've I've had to I've watched Checker suspend people, and when they send the letter, it's not even their name. They checked the wrong person, and sent it to a, the wrong address. Like they don't even they don't have their their stuff together. And if people knew what Checker charges companies, how little it is, you'd understand for that much money." There cannot be much of a check going on. I
1: I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I'm going to say, you know, you're probably right on a lot of accounts. My experience with Checker is that I had an issue with Uber where they, um, after one year of driving with Uber, um, they said that my, uh, my driver's license was fraudulent. So my first reaction was to reach out to Checker. Um, Checker answered the phone with a representative and they told me that they had just verified and okayed my my background check and sent it to Uber so my fight was with Uber so they actually sent checker was kind enough to actually send me A copy of the background check that they had just days before suspension.
0: They have to, though.
1: They sent that to me. And so, and it said it was okayed and checked all the way down the line. So I'm not doubting that they also make their mistakes, but at the same time, when confronted with the evidence, Uber is so lax with their, um, with any kind of real time motion in getting people activated when it comes to their stream of income. Right. I mean, Some people might take
0: three weeks to be onboarded by Checker, but you can, (laughs) there's direct correlations that we've proven in the past where if a market is low on drivers, you're approved in five minutes. I don't doubt that. So that tells me right there that Checker's not really doing anything. I mean, well, they helped me in that regard. I mean, I'm glad that that happened. I shouldn't say anything, but I'm just saying, I. I happen to know what they charge to, and I just know that what does that? Re- what could that possibly get you?
1: <laughs> it got me on the phone with somebody. No, that I mean was, when they charge it to me. Uber, so they
0: check char- checker charges Uber when you onboard,
1: sure. and then
0: per year, and that amount is so little. What can that really be verifying? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, what, how deep is that check really going? Because I don't know. Well, for, my last for story under just- 30, for under thirty dollars. I don't know what Checker's doing
1: that really could be like. This is everything you need to know about this guy. Sure. Well, and the same thing with the passenger. You know, it's I know that Checker doesn't check the passengers, but I mean, if I had had a comprehensive uh, analysis of the passenger that I had back in January that I needed the police report for, um, then I wouldn't. I probably would have had that guy as a passenger, and all of this would have have been a moot point. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean I guess i I can go on and on about similar things um kind of looking down my storyline here i guess i'll tell I'll tell one more um that I think is probably relevant, and then the rest of them are just kind of along the same lines um I have a an incident on film where um uh, I went to go pick up some uh it was three ladies. And um, this is late. Let's see. It was early summer of this year, and uh, this was a mask violation. There were just three young ladies that were intoxicated, got in my car, no masks, and I just said, "Hey, I, you know, I need you guys to have a mask. I'm just enforcing Uber protocol." And um, so these uh, young ladies got um, belligerent. One of them got out of my car to go get a mask. And then when she came back, she also was carrying like a large radio and she goes, I have a mask now and then turned up her radio full blast in my car. And I was just like, look, I can't drive with this uh, distraction. So I'm just going to end the ride. You guys, you know, it's fine. Just get out. And um, and then moments later, I received a discrimination um, complaints and a one star. And this was another situation where I had video footage of it. And, um, I sent the video footage into Uber. The The footage was, I don't know if it was viewed, but it didn't seem to make any difference. Once I made a substantial and articulate point, uh, with these ladies, uh, and, and what exactly went down, um, it just seemed like the more poignant that I got about the case and the more evidence I could provide, the less and less Uber was willing to engage. And eventually it just faded into nothing.
0: So, what I take from your stories is you know, this is a lot of the stuff that I think about too, is that we're facing. I mean, and I'm dealing with this all the time. We're facing, you know, AB five. We're 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 facing that type of legislation around the country in many states, even right to work states. And the pro act threatens the the right to work states even. And you know, do we want to be unions? No, I don't. I know you don't. But even if we were unions, what would they have done in this same situation anyway to help you? I mean, I'm just going to say that probably not much. I mean, there's, what is a union going to do much more? You know, it's what well, you're going to, st- they're going to make everybody strike in Portland that ends everybody's incomes because that's about the extent of what they can do. So then I have to refer to what we've been talking about many times. And you and I talked about it a little bit beforehand today is, you know, some sort of classification for on-demand app-based gig workers. Um and none of us like that word none of us want to have any kind of constraints on ourselves but if something were to be were to come out here in the united states that that wasn't union based that wasn't corrupt out of the gate that had that was a separate entity of all the gig platforms and could be doing the background checks and doing everything properly and if you had a problem You called them and they got Uber on the phone with you or, you know, arbitration type systems that could happen immediately. So if somebody wants to like one star you, and I've talked about this before on the platform too, it's, it kind of is real. Yours are much more extreme situations, but you know, like somebody wants to go downtown Denver, but they call an Uber and then they're like, Hey, you know, if you just call Uber, you can get that ride refunded just by saying your driver sucked, you know, that's something that has happened to many drivers I know and and handfuls have been, you know, axed or nixed from the from the platform because somebody wanted a ten dollar free ride, but they saw the amount, they knew what it was, they probably had a great ride, and this happened. Well, Uber is so scared of that employee model that there's a point when they seem like your friend in the beginning when you're when you're calling in for help you know the first tier feels like they're trying to help you but you know they really don't understand and they they're just going by the book like you were saying you know like if this turned to page 7 kind of thing and that's just that's not helpful but then as you go up the ladder you feel like they're on your side a little bit but i feel like when you get into the really really bad situations that's when they start to say listen i don't know who you talk to but we don't want any part of this and they start to wash their hands as soon as they see that that might be an issue because you're not an employee, you're an independent contractor, but they're an SAAS platform service being a middleman to connect you with your driver. And so really it gets really sticky. And you know, does everybody want to be union? No. Does do some? Yes. But I see a lot of pitfalls to union. I, I I'm not, I would have never thought. In 2014, 15, 16, 17, even with the bad, you know, I've done a ton of rides, but even with the bad rides I've done, and I've had some, some circumstances that I've had to deal with that, you know, weren't so easy. However, I would have never thought during those years that I would have wanted any kind of regulation. That's not something I ever would have. I would have, if somebody said, well, what do you want regulation? I would have been like, no, I'll just keep dealing with it like this, but things have moved to a new level. And if you, if people don't think that something's going to happen, you're crazy. I mean, there's going to either, <laughs> there's going to be unions, there's going to be regulations and something's going to happen. And to me, I'm starting to feel like some sort of regulations are probably the easiest way through this. Um, you know, I don't know if it's again, a standard, you know, I was talking to you beforehand about like, if, if a passenger does one of those scams where they just want a free ride, or they want a one-star you to get an $11 ride out or whatever, whatever the reason might be, why, Why? you know, here's, here's my thing to Uber is that they should almost want a regulator who says, okay, and like I was telling you, like instead of just refunding their $10 trip, say, no problem, we'll refund it and we'll give you a $20 gift card. Here's the thing. We need to have you and the driver on an arbitration call, record it so that we have it on file. I would think that 99% of the reported BS would go right out the window. People get very fearful when they hear, well, we need this recorded.
1: Well, and I guess too, that would also help in the fact that in December of 2020, there were two Uber drivers and one Uber Eats driver murdered in Portland. So it, um, it was kind of a weird... One driver was... I know this this wasn't supposed to be like an an, uh, indictment of portland but one driver was from iraq and uh, their family had moved to portland they this this is the um the family of an uber driver that was murdered and they literally said that after the murder of their son and trying to navigate um, the system with uber that they had planned to move back to baghdad so i can only imagine you know, I don't know what it takes to get you to want to move back to to Baghdad once your son is murdered as an Uber driver, but that, that's pretty extreme. I think, Steve, the solutions begin with transparency, and um, we need more upfront trip information. And I'm going to say this, and this is going to be a very controversial statement. And you can push back on this. I would love to hear your thoughts. But um, we also need to find a way to pragmatically define discrimination. Because, and I don't mean discrimination in terms of black, white, person to person thing, but if I'm an independent contractor and I decide that uh, if I heard on the news last night that there was a gunfight in this area of town, and I don't want to take work there, if that's that shouldn't say to the Uber platform and to the Uber algorithm that. I'm a racist person. Do you know what I mean? Because X amount oh, yeah. of people live there. I think that we need to start redefining in the workplace as we start exploring these third um, these third options. I think that we need to start redefining words for what it truly means to be an independent contractor. Um, and And we just need better driver support, period. Well, not only better,
0: we need way more active driver support too. Like things that actually get done,
1: not just a guy patting you on the shoulder while you're on the phone with him. You know, can I or- ask you a question about? Uh, I know you have a lot of inside knowledge about this. So, one other safety concern I had outside of all this is that um, I dated a young lady for a time that was also an Uber and Lyft driver, and one night we were together on the sofa just having a meal, and the phone rang. And this is a, a person that had contacted her through Lyft. And um, and at first I didn't believe it. And so I went to my phone because I'm also a Lyft customer and I went and I could, and I could see um, where I could reach back as, as far as several months and call, like literally call the driver that I had several months ago, which is what this guy was doing. So I went to the Lyft hub and I told a representative at the lift hub exactly what happened, and she she the person asked me what kind of call was it, and I felt like, well, what difference does it make? This person is reaching out to someone, you know, why why? And then they just kind of dismissed me wholesale and then sent me back. Also, anyway, I want your thoughts on that. Do you know if that's still going on, in, on the, on the platforms where you can actually reach back to your drivers? Because that's a, I mean, that could affect, I know that you were talking about uh, earlier uh, in the last podcast about, you know, somebody picks somebody up at the, took them to the airport. They're going to Mexico for seven days and now your house is robbed. It's <laughs> kind of the same thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, To be honest, I,
0: I've always been shocked by how all of that works. I do see like I'm I'm also, you know, from the service industry for many years and I've done production for many years. And when it comes to the service industry part, I will say that, you know, never in my life have I worked anything where a tip can be taken back for 48 hours. That to me is completely crazy. I think it's it a lot of people refer to it in the delivery Game is baiting. I don't really know. I don't do is I don't do the amount of deliveries. Although I understand fully what they're saying, but when they relate it to rideshare, I'm like, no, it's not baiting because we don't know that. We don't know what the tip is, you know. So you see it after or at the end of your day or whatever. So I don't really understand the the point of tipping just to retract it, unless it was a horrible trip or something like that where the retraction meant something, but. If you put in a tip, what is making you go back in there to pull it out? And why do you need 48 hours? You know what I mean? Like why I would I would think it would be great that you can go in and add a tip, but you shouldn't be able to pull any back. So if you decided, hey, I tipped him five bucks, he would he really did a good job. And I forgot to add more to it, and it's 24 hours later, that's a great feature. Let them add to it. That's great. But why do they need to get in contact with you? Why do they need to see anything on you, even though they're not seeing the, they're seeing a masked phone number and all that. But the fact that they're even able to push something and get to you is pretty scary. I mean, that's absolutely, I mean, these people should not have access to this. And if they do, it should be a number that goes to Lyft or Uber and then Uber Lyft. Again, one of those things they bring you on the call. And record it and let the other party know it's being recorded. I just have a feeling that if you, I'm a big, I I believe heavily in if you tell people they're being recorded, 99% are going to hang up. And I'm not trying to say that like, if you had a real situation that because it's recorded, you'll hang up. No, if you had a real situation, you'll let it be recorded. That you wouldn't have any reason not to. So the only people who do have a reason not to are those who you know I don't I don't want to put guilt on everybody but those who probably very likely are guilty of something even if it's trying to scam a free ride or what but there is no reason at all that any customer should ever be able to get back in touch with you even though like when it comes to taxes and stuff we all know that they're your clients because Uber has to say it that way but Uber doesn't have to allow them to be able to get in touch with you. I can't go back into my Uber app and call them from the driver's side. You know, although I can, I can in a very short period, like I've had situations where I've seen a wallet, you know, and I'm like, oh crap, they left their wallet or whatever. And I can get them. But that even has like a 20 minute, 15 minute window before you're just being connected to Uber so if like I noticed it at the end of a night and somebody dropped their wallet at like eight and I end my night at midnight or one. And then I see it when I get home, I can't get in touch with them, but I can call Uber. They'll get in touch with them, put us in touch, all this weird stuff that happens, you know? And then they're like, and we'll give you a $5 fee to take it back. You know, like whatever, dude, like enough, you know? I mean, there's no reason why we should, I mean, like that's a perfect example of how, I mean, like I could, I could have something very, you could have left your laptop in my car and I don't see it. And all of a sudden I I realize it's there and I try and call you and it's no longer available to me, but you're allowed to call me days,
1: week later. Well, and the reason I even brought that up, Steve, and I don't mean to get all dramatic about it, but that ended up being a point in our relationship where i had to question the integrity of the relationship do you know what i mean yeah like here's a guy calling a lady i'm dating and come to find out they're reaching out through the lift app so and that ended i'm not going to go into great detail but that ended up being something that was a wedge between her and i so i'd like to put that out there um but i i really think that this all the solutions start with trip transparency and a redefinition of of discrimination i don't think i don't think uber and lyft gives us enough leverage to uh make the right decisions in terms of not just our income but our well-being and i I don't know what the answer is. You know, they're they're corporations, they don't care about us, but at the same time, I'm worried about the permeation of this. I'm worried about the permeation of this kind of business model and how it's gonna work its way into traditional workspaces. And as newer generations come up, they don't know the difference between being able to make situations on their own behalf where an algorithm is just making the situation for them and it puts them in harm's way.
0: I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And to be honest, you know, part of my passion, maybe for all of, of the kind of stuff that I advocate for that you're speaking of is the fact that I have a 15 year old son, you know what I mean? So like, where, where is his world going to be at this pace? Because that is fearful to me. Um, He's a smart kid, you know, he's a great kid, but I, it makes me worry. It makes me worry a lot, but I, transparency. I know that you're, you listen to the podcast. So you know how I am about transparency. That's probably something I say on every episode somewhere. That's what we do at para. That's what we were. That's why Para started. It wasn't tip transparency for DoorDash. It was that we wanted to get your data from, from uh, Argyle IO and be able to show you all the way back to the very first trip you took every piece of data you'd ever want to know. The UK demanded its drivers got this in court a couple of years ago, and we just started getting peoples forum because we thought, hey, you know what? We have a way to get this, and we're going to get it for you because you deserve to have that. You deserve to see all the non-transparent BS even after the fact that you that you've not seen and. Here's my thing on the transparency in a nutshell is that I don't understand why. And I know, you know, there's times in different markets, there's times in the country right now where the rider, you know, ridership's back up, prices for them are back up higher. They've dropped a little bit back down, but then drivers are down in some markets and for the most part, we've always had oversaturation of drivers. And even right now, when I'm saying lack of drivers, I still think we're saturated with drivers. It's just not as saturated, but here's the thing. Why can't, and, and when we're talking about transparency, why can't it, I'm not even going to advocate for, let's have better transparency. Why can't it be full? Why can't it be, here's here's the amount, here's the distance you're going, here's where you're picking up, here's where you're taking them, here's how much it's going to pay. Why can't it just be that or take away and take away the per minute, make it a dollar a mile on X or things like this. Just make things easier, but show everybody everything up front because here's the thing. There are people who I, there's places I don't like to go and it's not the necessarily the shadiness. It's just that I know, Oh my God, if I have to go down there, I'm never going to get a ride back. I'm going to be stuck down there for a while. Um, There's a lot of reasons that I make my decisions on which rides I would take. With full transparency, I would actually take more rides than I probably did have because I've turned down some that after the amount of time I did it, I just knew how to read things like that's not going to be good. I just could read it and I'd say no. But now what if it was good? What if that, but if they had just shown me the full transparency, then I can either take it or not. Here's the thing. That ride will get taken. (laughs) Somebody will pick up that ride and take you where you want to go. In fact, somebody might live where you live and they're done for the night. And where they're taking you is is their apartment complex.
1: Same one. Well, can I interject right there? Because those rides that are undesirable, if we're just talking about rideshare, those rides that are undesirable, that's why they spend so much time coming up with um things like ride streaks, because if you're something, look, I don't think I'm talking out of school here. And again, I don't need to get all conspiracy theory about stuff, but I know I'm not the only guy by looking at Reddit threads and other forums that has experienced, you know, an $18 three streak. And on the third ride, you know, it's 18 minutes away for a 4.7 passenger. So going back to what you said, those rides are going to get taken. They have the tools to do that. They're, they're incentivizing you to take those kind of rides. So, I mean, if they're going to spend that much time on getting us to take, you know, garbage rides, then why can't you just spend a little bit more time keeping us safe? I mean, we have Amber alerts on the radio. Why, why can't, why can't they spend a little bit more time, you know, like genuinely advocating for our safety yeah i
0: i mean i don't know and why can't they take and and again why can't they just take all the games away and have a better flat pay rate and no games i don't need i i hate the games you know because like you were saying about the 18 let's say it's a 25 five dollar streak you know you get one you get two and they're short And then you get and then if they don't have some far one you don't want to do Sometimes you wait 45 minutes for that third one or you get kicked off the platform and you come back on and they don't
1: recognize that you already had a two street going last weekend. I was on ride 49 of a 50 ride Uber streak for $210. Guess how long I waited for ride number 50, Steve. Yeah.
0: I don't know. i at
1: 49. I probably would have one hour, one hour and 45 minutes. All the rest, the nine rides previous to that were back to back to back to back to back. I mean, this between
0: you and I, and I think a lot of the listeners, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out what happened there. Sure. They literally want you to, okay, let's just keep them on the road in case a lot of other people turn off. That's all they were doing. You know, they were pushing it as far as they could. Basically, that hour 45 was probably... You know, they, I mean, think about it. They study, and this isn't conspiracy theory. This is fact, people. They study how we react to the, to the offers we're given. And so they probably knew that was about your threshold. They probably knew it half hour. You were mad at an hour. You were pissed at an hour 15. You're thinking about stopping anyway. And at an hour 45, they were pushing it. So they better just give you the damn ride. But they somehow knew that was, I mean, they probably, and you probably were, you know, you, maybe you wouldn't have waited two hours, maybe it, in that last 15 minutes, you were about to go screw this, you know, and they just know that they know how, I hate to say this because there's no way to really explain how and why, well, I mean, I guess the why is uh, obvious, but the how on, on how they do this, but it's actually not that difficult really. I mean, Plotting points of where you live, of where you've been driving, how often you've been taking the rides, what type of rides you like, you know, all that stuff of what you're accepting. They take. I mean, if you if you don't think that computers can take that in into
1: a microsecond and spit out a result for you, you're crazy. Well, going back to the young lady that I did that was also driving for Uber and Lyft, we would literally sit side by side on the couch and uh, we would look as one phone would show surge in one area and her phone would show either no surge or a different kind of surge. You know, sitting side by side with her oh, I've and... i done that too. With oh, yeah. People. You know, sitting in the middle of, you know, side by side with four other Uber and Lyft drivers and then everybody, you know they're getting rides, but you're not for some reason. So I don't know what all that, you know, and that doesn't have anything to do with all the stuff that I was talking about before, but it, it does, it
0: does, but it does because it goes to the algorithm manipulations that do happen. Sure. And again, instead of spending all that money on, on bonuses and Hey, bring a friend in and we'll give them $3,000 to do 160 rides in 30 days and you'll get 800. Okay. That's 3,800 that, Dollars that could have been way better allocated. Sure, because here's the thing: Uber doesn't need to. I mean, look at Grubhub. Grubhub doesn't offer a referral program, and in fact, Grubhub is known for making you wait up upward of a year to be able to get on their platform because they they find out what they need in a market, and then they and then they're like, "No, we have enough. You're 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 waiting." and i'm okay with that i would rather be on a waiting list than just o- overboard the drivers so much that there's no work so i'm okay with that but you know like if if they can do that there's no reason that uber and lyft i, I don't know i mean i honestly believe that people there are people i know who would take any ride there are people i know who <laughs> you know they'll take the junk what i call complete junk rides so just put it out there transparently. Show everything. I mean, and here's my thing to Lyft. I mean, I know some people claim Lyft is closer to a profit than Uber. Eh, I question that because Uber's a much bigger company, and that's a harder breakdown to actually work and say it is true. But you know, if you are Lyft and where we are, it's Hail Mary time. So do something different. Try full transparency. I would be very shocked to see what would happen if Lyft went to full transparency. Here's how much you're going to get paid for this. Here's where you're picking up. Here's where you're going. They got two passengers. We now re- require no background checks, but require their picture on their on, on the app that sends us a picture. I don't want to see a picture of your dog. I don't care about your dog. I mean, no offense. I love dogs. I got one right here laying down, <laughs> but I don't want to see a picture of your dog. and you know, I mean, I've had pickups. Uh, I had one in a, a fairly sketch. I'm from Michigan, born and raised and, you know, spent a lot of time in Detroit. And so I'm used to no streetlights and some sketchy stuff. So in Denver, it's not really like that. But there are some areas. And I mean, like I've had pickups that are gold plated teeth only close up as the profile picture. And and the person's name is Demand little ghost right or g money or something and it's like dude what am i doing here like i don't even know who i'm looking for you know what i mean like if i'm seeing gold teeth and the name dumb man i don't know and i'm sitting in in an area that has no lights i'm a little worried (laughs) I i understand that i i do
1: let me let me wrap up with this um there's also kind of a a transverse reality to all this. And that is this, and I'm glad you brought up Lyft. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I got a request for a, a, a passenger that was a 4.6 on Lyft. So at on Lyft in my market, you get deactivated at 4.7 as a driver. This was a 4.6 as a passenger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I pulled up and Just expecting the worst, you know, like two great Pyrenees dogs, somebody extinguishing a cigarette right up to the point of getting in my car, you know, the absolute, just throwing back a bottle of, uh, you know, on a white claw or whatever the kids drink these days. And, uh, I got there and it was just this perfectly diminutive, beautiful young lady. She could not have been nicer. And she said, she got in the car and after about a minute, we were going up Macadam and she said. Hey, do you mind if I ask, it took me almost 45 minutes to get a driver. What's going on? I try to do everything right. And I said, let me stop you right there. Um, your rating is horrible. And I said, I don't mean this in any kind of negative sense. I'm telling you this right out, right out of the gate. I don't know if you've just had bad luck with drivers. I don't know what's going on. And she said, let me stop you right there. She said, I'm a professional dancer and my name is so and so and i usually get picked up at about 2 a.m. and when guys pick me up it's always at my club and they're always coming on to me and i have to fight i have to fight them off and i'm like oh okay and um so i told her i said you know there's ways around this. I said maybe you know get a burner phone, start you know get a another kind of. Oh, she'd gotten kicked off of Uber because of the same kind of things, and she goes, "This Lyft is my only access to rideshare right now." I said, "Look, go you know go down to Fred Meyer or whatever your bank. Go go get you know put a hundred dollars into an account and get a, a card and just open a new account under a fake name." I said, "You're not doing anything wrong. You're just." So it, it it does go both ways, and I try to keep that into perspective. That it's all you know. We're all just experimenting out here, and at the end of the day, we're going to get something done with conversations like this. Yeah,
0: I agree. I just think that safety, safety, and transparency are huge. It seems to be your big two issues. They're definitely my big two issues. Um, so, I mean, for that, I'm glad that that's. I'm glad you reached out to me for that reason because. I also like always hearing about markets and what's going on. And I've been curious about Portland. Um, I have a friend who drives delivery services only now, not rideshare. He used to do rideshare who lives, I think just North of Portland, but services, the Portland area. Um, But he won't do rideshare right now. He won't touch it. Um, And it's, I don't, I don't think it's a matter of money. I think it's a matter of what you're talking about. He's just like, I'm not going to put my He's got six kids. Um, you know, he's not going to put himself out there. He's not going to put anything at risk over whatever this is, you know, even if like, cause I mean, there is no way of telling, I don't know. I really do believe transparency is the answer though. And I, I don't know why these companies are so scared of it. It's not like they've got five drivers in each city and they've got to make sure they're taking the rides. You guys, th- these rideshare companies are overpopulated in every city. And It would actually, in my book, it would actually help people do better, the drivers. So, since you already know the full transparency and are creating advanced coding to cover and mask what we should see, why not just unmask it? Show me the whole thing. You know what? You're going to, I'm going to do more rides in a night if you show me the whole thing.
1: And there's nothing wrong with incentivizing bad rides. I mean, that's, you know, that's why they give, truck drivers, better money for long haul. There's, I mean, there's just stuff in life that sucks and, you know, rideshare isn't brain surgery. It's not all that hard to do. If you have to, I mean, I know it's market to market, but all you have to do is just incentivize somebody to do that. And I think they already have the plan with, you know, streaks and bonuses and stuff like that. So I don't think that transparency is asking a whole lot. And if, but at the same time, I guess I kind of have to pedal back because if somebody was going to go to that ride where they got shot. Now somebody is just getting an extra $6 to go to the area where they got shot. You know what I mean? So I I don't know if, I don't know if, um, I mean, transparency is probably more of a tool for the driver to try to protect themselves. And then it's still kind of a risk and a gamble for people that want to take the incentivizations. I don't know.
0: Well, that's with the transparency, they could allow to get rid of all that crap. They could bump the per mile rate up a little bit and just get rid of all the junk, get rid of the third $3,000 referrals and the 800 on this side and all the little games and the, the triple streaks and the, you're, this, you're, you're a blue driver. You're a red driver. You're an X driver. You're a, you know, like enough, I, you know, we do what we do and just pay us correctly per mile and keep us safe and be transparent. Because again, I do think that there's, I do think I know, and this isn't, this, this is not a racial thing. I do know people who are white, black, Hispanic, whatever, who might only want to, Service this area. And I know other people who are in the same, same, uh it doesn't matter what they are, who are willing to do everything. So it, I mean, let the people who want, let the people be comfortable with what they're doing because now it's just becoming scary when you are, because now it's, it, you don't have enough information to go. We're not even accepting good rides based on good information. You're <laughs> still, you're still guessing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's there's never a time when you're like, "This is a great ride. This is going to go awesome." You don't know that, right? But I think that if they just were transparent, I, I just don't. I mean, it's blown my mind for years. I don't get it. I don't even, I, even from a corporate standpoint, I don't get what they get out of this. They're still going to onboard a ton of people. The 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 markets are still going to be oversaturated, so they're going to have enough drivers. The the customer experience is going to be way better, too, if the driver wants that ride. Because, you know, when I go somewhere and I pick somebody up, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I've been tricked, too, where somebody puts in a destination and then they change it once they're in the car to a place I don't want to go.
1: Oh, Oh, that's been happening a lot to me recently. That happens to me a lot. Especially late at night, I don't know what it is. It, it seems like I'll get there and it's supposed to be like a four mile ride or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it's a ride over state lines, like to an area where I'm going to have to, I'm going to take a loss on the ride because I'm going to have to deadhead back so far now. And yeah, and that's, you know, I guess good for them because they figured out the game too is kind of like when you're at a sporting event, if you walk a a block up, then you're not paying the $10 surge outside of the stadium. You know, I I can kind of see where they want to do that, but it does. uh, But then you're also subjected to that person's rating. So if, if you, you have to be your best self in that situation or you get penalized. And if you cancel, then your risk deactivation. Yeah. Well,
0: but still, I mean, if you need, if any drivers out there need to cancel, cancel, go with your gut. You know what I mean? I always tell people that go with your gut, man. Don't, if you're feeling something bad about a ride, go with your gut, take the punishment or the slap for the cancellation, which as long as you're doing rides, shouldn't be too bad. You know, it's just going to be a cancellation, but, um, I don't know. I've never really had a fear of like what I do on the app. I've done enough rides where I would just be like, what, you know, will you cancel the ride? Yeah, I did. It was unsafe. You know, I, I pulled up and there were people fighting. I wasn't, I wasn't oh, going to sure. get out of the car and go, Hey, one of you guys call an Uber. Like, I don't want any of them in my car. How many
1: of those do you actually report though? Like when you call when you pull up and there's a volatile situation and you cancel out of your own personal interest, do you actually report that to Uber or do you, at what point, at what point would you?
0: In the beginning, I was pretty all over it. Um, And, and going back to what you were saying about minors, I used to be a big advocate with that, with Lyft and Uber. In fact, I had some direct contacts even because they knew that like, there's North High School here, or North High School in downtown Denver isn't far from me. It's, um, it, it, it has about 4,500 people. It's a huge high school. Um, after school, there's two cop cars right outside. I would pull, because every day after school, three o'clock on the nose, if I'm anywhere in the vicinity, I'd get pings. Nobody's of age. Maybe one person out of the 4,500 is of age, <laughs> but nobody's of age to be able to ride. And I just would pull up behind the cop cars and turn my my dash cam camera over to the passenger window and crack it and lock the doors. And I would just sit there. And as soon as somebody came up and said, "Oh, you're my ride," right, I'd be like, "No, I'm not." Because, uh, or you know, at first I'd be nice. I'd say, "You know, are you? You know, can I see your ID? Because you you don't look of age." Well, I'm. You know, this is my mom's account, so it's cool though. She said it's fine. You can call her. And I'd be like, well, I can't take you unless your mom's here, or unless you're with a supervised adult. I mean, I just can't. And I found that sitting behind the police cars really freaked him out. But then, you know, because in the beginning when I didn't do that, I found people going, listen, you know, I'll, re- I'll, I'll give you a bad review and, and all this stuff. And so I was like, you know what, just cancel it. And they'd be like, no. But I found when I pulled up behind the police cars that they'd be like, I'd be like, look, cancel it right now. In a more firm tone, and they'd be like, "Okay," like they knew those two cops are there, and they're probably they don't know that they're necessarily there with because they're not there with me, but they knew that very quickly I
1: could make this a situation. Sure, <laughs> you know my my favorite uh, my favorite juke is when um, somebody tries to get me to cancel, and uh, I will I'll talk them in I'll let them. S- Kind of float on it for a minute and then I'll say, hey, you know, you're going to get charged one way or the other. I have to wait here for five minutes and then I get my cancellation fee for for doing this. I said, they charge you about a dollar per minute. Above what you would pay on the ride, like I just I just tell them anything to get them to cancel, but then I see a bunch of posts on you know again on Reddit or whatever, and everybody's like I don't worry about my I'm I'm at a thirteen percent cancellation rate, and I've always read that you're supposed to keep your cancellation rate at about a five percent, or else you risk deactivation. So I don't know if that's just folklore. But look at look
0: at and I'll use only Uber Eats as an example. Look at Uber Eats. Uber Eats has a I know most. Uber Eats drivers I know have a under 10% acceptance rate. Most DoorDashers I know have under are around 5% acceptance rate. (laughs) But that's different from cancellation rate. Is it? Okay. But here's the step. Here's the next step. What about all these people who accept DoorDash orders or Uber Eats orders, pull up to the restaurant, it's too crowded, and they do what's called drop the order? Now, another driver has to step in and come get that order. You accepted that order. That's your job. I mean, like in rideshare, we're not that's not we're not privy to such a thing. We can't just go, "You know what? I hate this ride. Get out like, right. It's not like we can just go, "I'm sick of this." You know I mean, it's really weird. So this is the and I'm using Uber as the example because it's the same platform. They have standards for the drivers, but for the delivery drivers, they have way too many. I mean, now they're oversaturated there too, and yet they're allowed to do whatever the heck they want.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. I've never worked delivery. I just, I've always had a pushback. I don't know if it's just my mom or something that's inside of me that's just like, go get your own hamburger, bro. I can't, I can't do it. I'm sure that it probably should have paid well, especially over the pandemic, but I don't know what it is about me. I've just never been able to do delivery now. If you told me that you had somebody that wanted to load uh, uh thirteen socket wrenches in the back of my Hyundai Elantra and you wanted me to drive them to Spokane for one hundred and twenty five dollars, I'd be all over it. But if I'm if I'm bringing you a hamburger, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is about me. Yeah, no, I'm
0: kind of I'm kind of the same way. I've done them simply because research. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've done my thirty thousand shares, so nobody can question me. I do, you know, I do curry. I do other platforms. However, shopping and delivery is just not my space. Yeah, me neither. I, I mean, I just don't is. want to be, I, I don't like doing my own shopping. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I don't want to be spending all day in the store. And the fact that Instacart's one of the lowest paying of all the gigs is shocking to me that people want to do this all day. Um, but I do know people do very well in delivery. It's just not my thing. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's partially too. I don't want my car smelling all the time. Um, I just simple dumb what other people might call dumb to me you know like people have said to me like I can't believe you would prefer rideshare I'm like yeah when things are back to normal I do because I like the communication for the most part I mean usually we've told some bad stories here today but usually I've had great experiences met some wonderful people
1: you know, I mean, yeah, and I agree. And I think that a lot of what I went through, I mean, I could tell you three or four more stories, but it's, it really was in kind of a microcosm of this, you know, circumstances surrounding, not just my city, but surrounding the world. So it probably created a lot of things that were out of my control. But the overall thing was, you know, it, I just, those things are going to happen. And I wish that, I wish that Uber and Lyft would just take a more Solutions based approach to it, but then again, I'm so conflicted about you know. Well, nobody told you to go there, and you're an independent contractor, but then again, I'm not. So we're I think, all just I kind think of. It, for I think all that. you
0: and I are on the same page that it really. I don't think there's there's probably other band aid fixes they could do that, you know, might appear to be working on some level. Like we were joking about beforehand about like the say my name or make sure the child locks off on the door when you get it first of all these people are hammered they can barely read the license plate number i mean i was i was talking to hannibal not too long ago about how like dude all you gotta do is have a lift sticker or beacon in your car just pull up outside of a bar and just park for a while and somebody will get in your car yeah i mean then just do whatever you want to them because that's that
1: Yeah, no, I live in an apartment complex, and I can't tell you how many times I've went to just go get my mail, and I leave my door open, and all of a sudden, here's a lady and her child trying to get into my passenger side rear seat, and I have to be like, no, I'm off duty. Oh, I thought you were my Uber. So, yeah, I mean, we just
0: just don't have that kind of standard. So, the only thing, the only fix that I see will work, and I've always said to people, please share with me any other ideas, but the only thing that's going to work is transparency. Show me everything up front. And then at that point, it is on me. I mean, if I get a bad passenger or something happens, then I'm still willing to deal with it in the fashion that I have to, even though I don't like the way these companies do it. But without showing me everything, if something happens, I, I, there's just a part of me and you know, you can be a lawyer, you could debate me on this, but there's a part of me that says, if you're not telling me everything and something happens to me, part of that falls on you and I don't I'm not talking about the law or anything I'm talking about just common sense
1: and I think that that again we also need to redefine discrimination when it comes to independent contractor work because just because I'm not taking a job in an area for a specific reason doesn't isn't is not an indication of my character It's not me calling that area. I I, I have to wonder how
0: much, how many of those are just people
1: wanting to get free rides. I've seen it too much. Well, no, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, um, when I started there, uh, you would get in trouble if you would. Um, one of the reasons that they started pushing back on full transparency and rider drop off was because there was uh, drivers that would not travel into a certain area. And so they they defined that as as uh, area discriminatory. And I think that we need to redefine that because well, just th- because I don't want to go into just, an area.
0: Just take it out and let, but that's my point. Just take it out because here's the thing. There is no reason to even have that terminology because right. if you deny that ride, you see it all up front. I don't want that. That's nothing about discriminatory that just that's just your that's that's just what you're doing you're doing you you're trying to make your money there might be somebody who's like oh oddly who might say that's a perfect ride for me right now in the here and now
1: right and, and it's like you go. You said earlier, it's everybody puts a picture of their dog or a, a picture of baby Yoda or whatever it is on their profile anyway. So I'm not discriminating against this person. I don't know what they look like. I just don't want to go into this area because it's not going to financially benefit me right now. Or perhaps there's been some some activity that I'm terrified of. Somebody else will go get it. Right.
0: I mean, my reasons for not taking rides... Even when transparency was better or whatnot, was never based on anything except for how does this help, what does this do to my earnings this evening? Right. And if I saw it as that's not a good step for me right now, I would rather wait and take the next one. And I guess and here's the thing is that it, okay, so wouldn't you rather have me decline it anyway than accept it and then see I don't want it and have to cancel it? I mean, just totally. be transparent. Just let me see it and go, I don't want that because there's a there's hundred Uber drivers around me. One of them is going to
1: take it real quick too. From a 30,000 foot perspective, though, I could understand as a large corporation that if enough of that stuff started happening as a pattern, that they could they could see that as a potential suit against them. But at the same time, that in and of itself, if that's truly the case, then that in and of itself, that fact calls for a third classification. Yeah.
0: And I I honestly, something's going to happen. I think you and I both are aware of this. I mean, this just can't keep going on. We're seeing more murders, more, more stabbings, more shootings, more rapes, everything right now. And even before a couple months back when ridership was way down from where it's historically been, more things were happening, which makes no sense. I mean, I know the world's crazier right now, but again, all the more reason. And I would think when it really comes down to it, if you give them, if you give us drivers complete transparency, I feel a lot better being on the platform and not being able to point my finger at Uber or Lyft. I I, I would have to point it at myself. Bad. That's call. a great so point.
1: That's you know, a great point.
0: You made a bad call on this one. Don't do it again. Yeah. You know, I mean, live and learn, and that's how you learn the jobs. But I mean, like that, I would think that would just shut people up too. Like instead of going, Uber, you did this to me. Like, no, you you saw everything. They showed you everything. So I really just don't get it. I'm sure there's a reason, but I if it's if it's their worry about the person not getting a ride to where they want to go, I would debate that with anybody at Uber any day of the week, because I would say let's try it in one market for two days. Let's just try it. Let me sit in the room with you guys, so I'm monitoring what what's going on here, and I want to see that that rider waits any more than five seconds longer than they would
1: have to get a
0: ride. Sure.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Steve. I bet that that person in a um, in an adverse part of a urban community waits a lot less longer than someone that's in a rural area for a ride.
0: Right, and all the better with transparency. People in a rural area might pick it up. You know, it, it just it's it's hard to explain. But you know, when you're a driver it makes sense to us where we are, how our nights going, how, how we're trying to play it out. We all do things a little different. So th- these rides are going to get taken. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, And as a, even I use them as passenger, you know? So I'd rather, I'd rather somebody pick me up who wants the ride. I don't want somebody going, you're going here. Like, you know what? Cause here's <laughs> me, I'm still going to give you a five star, sadly i do i just because i'm a driver myself i just know what it can do and so i'm still going to give you a five star you know i'm still going to tip you but i don't want somebody all pissy that they have to go somewhere i'd rather have the guy who's like dude sweet i'm ending my night i live across the street from there thank you i needed this ride
1: (laughs) well this has been beautiful steve i can't thank you enough for this opportunity um five stars and i'll tip you on the app Uh, uh, (laughs) i'm gonna uh, show me
0: how to do that so So i'm gonna uh (laughs) i'm gonna
1: email you my phone number my friend contact me anytime i'd love to be a part of what of what you're doing and uh um yeah and i won't be a bother no you're no bother man this was great thank you thank you have a peaceful evening have a great holiday season
0: yeah you as well
1: all right man take care peace
0: Okay. Well, hopefully everybody took something away from that because um, uh, that was, I mean, there's a lot of stories to be taken in there. Um, But there's also just some self-reflection I think you can do if you're a rideshare driver, Um, even if your market isn't as hard as that, or if you haven't had those kind of experiences, you should still take a few minutes to digest what we just went through because those are real events that happen to a driver. And Tim is not the first driver that I've talked to that has had those kind of uh, events happen. So um, they do happen everywhere. And you never know when they're going to happen. So, you know, you could have, ha- you, you could have had all A-plus customers, and then boom, one's going to come out of nowhere. So just be on guard, you know, um, watch your six kind of. And make sure that you're always aware of where you are, where you're going. Um, Sometimes in a text, if the passenger is asking you to pick them up in an alley at night, um, just random stuff. Be aware of it and don't be afraid to cancel. Do not be afraid to cancel, people. Trust your instinct. Your instinct is always better than the app's algorithm. The end on that. That said, I'm going to focus on uh, getting a little stretching in and uh, trying to get my uh, my breathing back in order a little bit here, guys. Um, everything will be fine. I'm all good. But, uh, yeah, I didn't even, you know, uh, if you remember last summer, I had an issue, too. And that's when I found out I had asthma again. I hadn't had it since I was in my early teens or not even teens. It might have been like 12, 11 And I hadn't had an emergency inhaler on me in 30 years, over 30 years. So um, things got really, got bad last summer for a little bit. And then, um, you know, after going to the, uh, you know, intensive care, getting a steroid shot and all the uh, stuff that they were doing with me there, uh, starting to take singular and uh, um, emergency inhaler seemed to do the trick and a few, you know, about six weeks later, uh, I was kind of out of the woods. I mean, of the really bad. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, it, it sucks. It's, it just sucks. So I don't know what, what made it occur this time. Um, something triggered it and, uh, I can only do my best to try and evaluate what that is or, you know, what happened and, Um, get my breathing back under control, which is already much better. If you guys had heard me a couple days ago, you probably would have been very concerned. Maybe not, but maybe you would have. (laughs) Anyway, guys, um, the holidays are coming up. We will have the live, uh, Rideshare Rodeo on YouTube this Thursday with Rideshare Lisa. I will be recording with Roy on Saturday and I believe that one will post on Monday Along with, or I'm sorry, next Tuesday, uh, along with the um, video premiere um, next week as well on YouTube for that one. But um, if it, if for any reason it doesn't, and it's rideshare Lisa, maybe episode that posts first, or I even have one more sitting that I, I got to get out here. <laughs> um, but we'll see. Um, right now, the plan is Roy. Uh, and that, that will probably, well, there might be a live next Thursday too, but um, that's the day before Christmas Eve. We'll have to see. Um, and then the other thing to watch for is I am waiting to do um, a, another piece with Hannibal. Uh, there's a few things that have come up and Hannibal and I wanted to discuss, such as DoorDash and their new employee model and where that's all going. And what the outcomes could look like from that and why they're doing it, too. Um, Otherwise, get out there. Spend some good into this beyond crazy world. And, uh, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for an awesome 2022, everybody. And that said, that's a wrap. And we'll see you back here next week. Oh, Rodeo. Peace.